Hello and welcome to History Respond. I'm your host, Bob Whitaker. On today's episode, we'll be looking at Assassin's Creed Mirage, and we'll be focusing in particular on the game's History of Baghdad feature, which, like older Assassin's Creed games, is part of the in-game codex. This codex includes entries on five different topics, economy, belief in daily life, government, art and science, and court life. Our guest on today's episode is Dr. Glare Anderson, who served as one of the historical advisors on the History of Baghdad feature. Dr. Anderson is a senior lecturer in Islamic art at the University of Edinburgh. Her research focuses on the art and architecture of medieval Islamic societies in the Middle East and North Africa. She is also the founder of the university's digital lab for Islamic visual culture and collections. Claire, welcome to History Respond. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure. And I guess I should say welcome to 9th century Baghdad as well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, Claire, just to start out, uh, I'm wondering about your background and what attracted you to studying medieval Islamic societies, art, and architecture? Mm. Yes. Um, well, my background is um, a quite mixed background. I came to the study of medieval Islamic uh, architecture and art uh, in a very roundabout way. Uh, so I, I think because I started off as an English major, actually, and I, I didn't um, move into Islamic uh, architecture and art until I was a PhD student. Mm. But the thing that that first, um, I guess the first awareness I had around medieval Islamic societies was uh, reading a book when I was um, a kid. You know, I think I was in elementary school when I read a book called The Walking Drum uh, by Louis L'Amour, which mm. is set in the 12th century uh, Islamic Mediterranean. And I loved that book. I really loved it. And it really sparked my imagination um, as a kid. So, you know, then later when I, um, when I was a master's student studying uh, architectural history, I had to take a what they called a non-Western uh, course as a degree requirement, um, and that gave me a chance to to follow that that interest that had been sparked in me as a kid from reading this novel. Um, and yeah, basically that that was it. Once I saw those buildings uh, in this course I took on Islamic art and architecture, I was um, just completely floored by what I saw and decided when I went back for a PhD that that's what I wanted to study. Mm. Yeah, what, a, what an interesting backstory there, Louis L'Amour. Um, yeah. You, know, yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't expect it, would you? <laughs> yeah, I would. <laughs> the, uh, the, the, um, you know, he's so associated with the American West. But uh, yeah, if you've ever read this novel, The Walking Drum, it was a huge influence on me as a kid. Uh. Interesting. Yeah, of course, uh, being from Texas, very familiar with Louis L'Amour, but uh, I was not aware of that that book. So that's that's fascinating. Hmm. Um, yeah, I, I recommend it. I'd be interested to hear what you think if you ever read it. <laughs> I, I will check it out. Uh, so 
you know, we've got your background. I'm wondering, do you have any past experience with video games uh, prior to your kind of help with Ubisoft on this title? Mm. Yes, I mean, I, um, as a researcher, when I was doing my, my first book, um, you know, over a decade ago, I was using the Unity game engine uh, mm. to visualize uh, medieval Islamic villa and its landscape, uh, and also some of its uh, furnishings for my first book, which was about uh, the villas of 10th century Islamic Spain, 9th and 10th century Islamic Spain. So as a researcher, I, you know, I was thinking about video game engines as a useful tool uh, for, you know, kind of uh, experimenting and, um, and working out some of the theories that I had for my book. But prior, uh, prior to that, prior to starting the PhD, I, you know, played lots of video games. I had to, I had to give that up because I didn't have time once I started <laughs> the PhD. Um, but that was partly because I had a four-month-old baby, my son, when I started the PhD. So between being a new parent and uh, and basically entering a new field and, and learning how to become a scholar in a new field, I had zero time for playing video <laughs> games once I started um, the PhD. But, you know, while I was doing um, the research using uh, Unity, you know, for my first book. At that time, my son, uh, who was around 12, had started, you know, playing video games on his own mm -hmm. and seeing what my son was playing, um, including Assassin's Creed and, and being introduced to, you know, what he was showing me really helped me understand at that point as a researcher what um, what was possible for for games. I mean, it, it made me start to be aware that games could be much more than than what I had previously been using them for, which was, you know, just playing and having fun. Mm -hmm. So, Blair, what was your experience like working with the developers at Ubisoft? How did they approach you? What was it like trying to contribute to this? history of Baghdad feature, what was your experience like? Mm. Well, it was a great experience, um, a very intense, <laughs> a very intense experience um, and a very intense learning curve. Um, and I'll, I'll give you a little bit of a sense of the timeline. Um, I actually had reached out to Ubisoft myself um, before I knew anything about uh, their plans for Mirage, uh, because I was interested in what they were doing around the Discovery Tour and working with uh, museums, you know, and cultural heritage institutions. Um, and so I had reached out to them because something that piqued my interest in Valhalla was, you know, having Basim and uh, Hytham as NPCs who were, you know, NPCs from the Abbasid, mm -hmm. um, Abbasid Caliphate. And, you know, that immediately made me think, oh, you know, let me reach out to them and see if they would like or need any support around the medieval Islamic um, material, if they're doing things with with museums and cultural heritage, because the connections between the Islamic lands and uh, 
the Vikings is a research interest of mine as, as part of my interest in global uh, connections between uh, Islamic societies and, and non-Islamic societies. So I had, I had reached out to them about that. Um, and then, you know, months later, they came back to me and, and said that they wanted to have a conversation with me about an undisclosed project, which turned out to be Mirage. Hmm. And so when they were uh, kind of telling you about Mirage, um, you know, was there kind of any particular area that they were maybe looking for advice on? Um, you know, I imagine they weren't asking you for uh, help with uh, game mechanics or anything like that. But uh, <laughs> was there was there any, uh, you know, particular kind of historical area that they were kind of maybe struggling with? Mm. Yes, I mean, you know, when they when they first approached me, um, they were interested in getting advice around, um, you know, all the various aspects of Islamic um, civilization, uh, history, and art, you know, that that ended up being um, topics in the codex. Uh, so they were looking for for help with that. Um, and they were also uh, looking for some feedback on uh, the initial concept art for the game. Uh, so from my perspective as a, you know, a specialist in the art and architecture of the Khalifal period, I was able to give them some feedback on the initial concept art, but I was also um, able to give them guidance on all of the other aspects, you know, visual, starting with visual culture, but then going into all of these other um, thematic areas that they were particularly interested in, you know, around, um, you know, the economy, um, daily life, um, you know, just all of those themes, mm -hmm. science and so forth mm -hmm. that, that became so important to the codex, yeah. But, um, you know, in terms of the experience of working with the developers, one of the things um, that uh, was new about the way Ubisoft worked with me, uh, as I understand it from Maxime Durand, this, this was a first uh, for the franchise, was that uh, they had the luxury of basically taking an eight-week graduate seminar with me. Um, as part of the pre-production process. Uh, and it's out of that very intense, um, you know, eight weeks that we spent together with them asking me questions and me and my team coming back to respond to, um, you know, the questions and the topics that they were interested in uh, and bringing all of our, you know, visual material and historical material to them out of that eight weeks that um you know that fed into then what happened uh in production with um you know creating the the codex entries and and all of the rest of it so it was extremely um intense but also a really valuable conversation across uh three different sectors so um you know higher education or, or the academic sector the game development um, side, and also bringing in all of these uh, museum partners as well. So very intense, but um, but a really fruitful dialogue. 
Wow, that's amazing. So uh, did you have a, a syllabus for them? Did you have readings? Did you have any assignments? Uh, for <laughs> Yes, I think I threw a lot of readings at uh, at Maxim and, um, you know, initially at Maxim, but also then uh, at Raphael uh, Wayland, who was the Mirage historian. So I started off, um, you know, the discussion started with Maxim and I was suggesting a lot of reading to him. Um, because I, I know that for outsiders, if if you're not someone who has trained in the history of, um, you know, say Islamic studies, and in particular, medieval Islamic art history, this is, um, it can be a very difficult uh, subject to really enter. In, in some ways, it's a very inward looking field still. Um, you know, so part of that was, was introducing Maxime Durand to that field through readings, through discussion of the kinds of topics that that he was interested in, and then following that up um, with Raphael, uh, again, bringing them lots of readings um, and lots of suggestions, lots of primary sources, as well as secondary sources, as well as all of the visual material. Wow, that's incredible. Wow, that. That sounds like a great course just on its own. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it was it was a great course because I had great students um, because Maxime and Raphael uh, and the, you know, the other members of the of the team came back to us with great questions. I mean, they 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 were the best kind of students in that they asked me and my team questions that hadn't occurred to us before. That we were forced to go and uh, and think about and research and come back to them. So it was very much a it it was definitely a two way conversation. It wasn't just me, you know, kind of talking at them. Um, it was a, a much more collaborative kind of uh, seminar, and that made it intense, but also really interesting. Excellent, yeah. Game developer historical boot camp. Oh, this is. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think. Be, it's got to be a first, I think. <laughs> uh, well, apparently it was for the franchise, which I, I hadn't um, really appreciated when we were, you know, in, in the midst of doing it. But I, I thought that was interesting to find that out afterward. Yeah, well, and, you know, we've had uh, Maxime Durand on the show several times and, uh, you know, his uh, kind of interest, uh, you know, had... Uh, natural interest in history had kind of worked well, I think, for earlier Assassin's Creed games, uh, many of those set in uh, North America, for instance, or in Western Europe. Um, but, you know, I think, like you were saying, uh, you know, with this era of history that they were interested in, including it, it really takes uh, a bit more effort, especially if, you know, you it's something you haven't studied uh, mm -hmm. for. And I, you know, I would say that not just for the game developers, but even for myself, uh, you know, I, I took one medieval historiography class in graduate school and I was like, okay, boy, that, that, was, <laughs> that was hard. Um, I, I had briefly considered being a medieval historian and uh, I was uh, not put off by the reading so much as it was uh, how much work it takes to kind of extract knowledge about this era, particularly with uh, the language requirements, you know, having to learn multiple languages, you know, having to 
uh, kind of be aware of multiple sources, getting a, you know, uh, getting a hold of those sources can often be difficult. And so mm-hmm. I scurried back, I scurried back to studying the British Empire, reading in <laughs> English, reading, reading printed documents, you know, uh, and that's where I've stayed ever since. But, you know, it can, it can take a lot of work. And, you know, I'm glad to hear that the developers uh, were open uh, to your instruction and that you were there to kind of, uh, uh, to guide them along. That's, that's, that's really great to hear. Yeah, I was, you know, I, I absolutely feel everything that you just said, and that's actually why I reached out to them as soon as I realized that they were making that connection to medieval Islamic societies and to the Abbasid Caliphate in Valhalla, because, you know, as soon as I saw that, it made me think, you know, if they are going to do anything with this in the future, I think they're going to need help with this. And, you know, I I don't think that there are very many academics who, you know, in my field who both work on that particular period, uh, the Caliphal period, who also happen to have some experience using, you know, video game engines as a research tool. Mm-hmm. So I thought, okay, I, I have to step up here and um, bring my my slight edge um, of knowledge to, you know, to Ubisoft if they want it, because I know that they're really going to have a, they're going to have a steep challenge ahead of them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I could say as somebody who's been covering uh, historical video games for the past decade, uh, and talking to a lot of historians about video games, that your assumption that you're one of the few who could have done this, uh, I think that's absolutely true. Um, I don't know many historians who work with game development tools or even are aware of what they are. So um, mm. you're, you were you were well placed, I think, mm. uh, to help with this project. Interesting. Yeah, I've I've been trying to uh, raise awareness in my own corner of the field uh, about this kind of work. And and I think, um, yeah, I think I've been successful. So hopefully we'll, we'll have uh, more people, you know, who are able to engage in this kind of work in the interest of making better games in the future. 100%. Yes. Um, So I've, uh, Got the screen back up here, so I was going to start up again. <laughs> uh-huh, great. Uh, but this okay. is the uh, this is the codex section, and so uh, as a longtime player of Assassin's Creed games, I was very excited to see a return of the codex. And in previous Assassin's Creed games, they had uh, split off the historical entries into Discovery Tour, as you had mentioned with. Uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, but in earlier Assassin's Creed games, uh, those historical entries had been a part of the main game codex. And the codex here divided into a database of uh, kind of characters and locations, uh, tutorial entries, so you can remember how uh, to assassinate targets. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, And then lastly, uh, what we've been talking about here is the History of Baghdad feature. Uh, and again, it's divided into different themes and topics, uh, different sections. And uh, you can see I've kind of gone through and uh, done a few, a fair few in art and science uh, and then beliefs, daily life, uh, economy, government. I haven't yet gotten into uh, court life uh, quite so yet, but uh, I have uh, just as a player and as a historian, I've been 
impressed with the codex in the sense that it uh, does uh, kind of the good work that the discovery tour modes have done where you've got uh, a, a kind of a historical entry here, uh, kind of almost a, a encyclopedia entry. Uh, and then uh, it also highlights uh, some visual culture, as you were mentioning, uh, along with the inventory number, the sometimes the archival access number, uh, mm -hmm. I suppose, just in case uh, uh, gay players want to go back and uh, to do some peer review of <laughs> the, the game developers and check to see if these access numbers and archival numbers are correct. But uh, yeah, well, and... no, not not at all. We 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 included those because. Um, at least from from my perspective, um, we want players who are interested in the the actual um, artifacts and and learning more about this period to be able to go to the museums and see mm -hmm. these artifacts for themselves or see you know uh, other artifacts that um, are similar for themselves. So it's it's this is really for the players who want to you know to go deeper. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so. Um, we've got all sorts of different topics included, uh, healthcare, paper making, uh, scientific method, uh, singing and poetry. And I'm just wondering, you know, as you were advising Ubisoft on this project and, you know, you were helping them, uh, dig up some of these materials, uh, and, you know, giving them background readings for some of these entries, I'm wondering, did you have any specific hopes uh, for what the players would get out of this? I mean, in particular, thinking about the setting for this game, you know, ninth century Baghdad is is not often a setting, not just for a video game, but for any kind of um, historical fiction that would be popular in the West in particular. So I'm just wondering, what were you hoping? What were your hopes going into this project and with these entries? Mm. Yeah, that's such a such an important question. Um, I I hoped that players would get out of it um, three things. I mean, first, I wanted them to have a more accurate understanding of the medieval period. So, you know, from my perspective, when I look at history, um, history video games or uh, fantasy video games that are set in, you know, the medieval period, by large, the default setting for these medieval video games is Northern Europe. Mm -hmm. And that was one of, that was one of the things that really troubled me, um, and which also led me to, to reach out to, to Ubisoft and to found my digital lab, actually. Uh, so I wanted players to have a more accurate understanding of the medieval period, um, in in a way that decenters um, the role that that Northern Europe has, uh, I think, in the public imagination, of, you know, that equates the medieval period with Northern Europe and doesn't really see all of the other things that are happening in the medieval period that are so important for understanding global history. Uh, so I wanted them to also appreciate. Um, hopefully to to play the game and appreciate medieval Islamic civilization as a global phenomenon um, that has intellectual and, and cultural and artistic significance, um, you know, for players around the globe. 
Mm -hmm. And I wanted them to be um, aware, too, that it wasn't uh, hermetically sealed away, right? That it, it wasn't um, that ninth century Baghdad um, was an inward looking society. I wanted them to be very aware and to see that Islamic civilization and Abbasid Baghdad uh, and the Caliphal period, these are... Um, you know, times and places that are very much connected to other societies of the time, including mm -hmm. Europe uh, and including, you know, Viking Age, Scandinavia and Britain, but also China, for instance. So these are, you know, these are all things that I teach when I teach students about art in the age of the caliphs. These are these are the things that uh, that I'm teaching them about. And so I, I just wanted to reach a broader audience who may not have um, you know, the privilege of, of going to an institution like University of Edinburgh to, you know, to study right. with a, a specialist in the period. Um, I wanted to, to really get this knowledge out of the academy and, and make it available to more people who might not otherwise have the chance to, to learn about this society and its history. Right, right. That's a fantastic goal and one that uh, is very popular here at History Respond. And, you know, going off your point uh, about kind of expanding knowledge about this era, but then also diversifying that knowledge, uh, one of my favorite entries here in the Codex uh, in the government section uh, is this one about uh, diplomacy uh, in mm. the Abbasid period. And mm -hmm. I think it gets pretty well to the point that you're making of this being um, you know, a global uh, era, you know, for uh, the Abbasids at a place where uh, there were diplomats and traders from all around the world and uh, global connections being forged and not just connections related to Western Europe or Northern Europe, uh, but all around the world. So we've got a mention here of China uh, and we've got, of course, mentioned here of Charlemagne. Uh, and the, <clears throat> excuse me, Carolingian court. Uh, but I, I love the fact that it kind of expands the scope of knowledge uh, related to this era, because I feel like, uh, you know, even if you were to take a, um, you know, a Western Civ course or a survey course in the Western world, uh, you know, most of the mention of uh, the, you know, Islamic civilization, Islamic societies, uh, would come through a discussion of the Crusades. So it would be about uh, militaries and generals, and you wouldn't necessarily always uh, get these opportunities to talk about different topics, different themes, different subjects. So I love love the fact that that's included uh, in this codex. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. And that is one of my favorite codex entries as well. And uh, it's a topic that I've written a lot about, and it's really near and dear to my heart <laughs> so it's great to hear you appreciate it too oh yeah oh and then this uh this one the uh, emporium of the world uh in the economy section um mm -hmm. just absolutely loved uh the entry you know talking about the different areas of the world where they were bringing in uh materials uh and uh actually before i started playing with you um i just walked through the city bazaar uh and seen some of the uh the kind of wares on sale there uh, but i i just absolutely love this bowl uh mm, here mm -hmm. i just think this is so striking and so amazing and uh yeah this is definitely one of those moments where i was uh, taking a photograph of the image credits here 
just be like, <laughs> oh, you know, maybe, maybe if I get a chance, get a chance to go to the Metropolitan Museum of Art, I could, uh, I could hunt this down and and see it because I just think it's just an amazing piece. Absolutely, yes. And so, you know, it, all the students who have have taken my art in the age of the caliphs class they'll immediately recognize that that kind of splashware from where we talk about you mm -hmm. know the abbasid um and china trading connections and how those trading connections impacted the the you know the the works that artisans and you know craftspeople were making on either side which is you know fascinating to think about that happening in the ninth century but it absolutely was mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, looking at these entries, and I, I haven't collected them all, uh, but, you know, there's uh, a dozen or so uh, for each of these themes and topics. Were there were there any themes and topics that were kind of left on the cutting room floor? Uh, I mean, because I imagine you, you can't include absolutely everything uh, that you're aware of or all the topics that you might want to broach. And I'm just wondering, is there anything here that you felt... Uh, you know, could have, uh, you know, maybe been bolstered or any topics that maybe were left behind? Or uh, do you think the coverage is about what you would want uh, to present to to players unfamiliar with this time period? Mm. Well, the coverage is, uh, I mean, is extensive. I, I have to say that I was really impressed that they included almost everything that mm -hmm. we that we talked about. Um, which is amazing, really, the the scope that they that they gave us to um, put all of this material into the game is is really impressive to me. With that said, though, there is one thing that I would have loved to have um, had room for in the codex, which um, it's it's in there, but it's in there in um in a more diffuse way than I would have put it in there. Uh, and that is just the topic of, um, you know, the the Abbasid remains from Samara. So mm. you you will see um, monuments and decoration and artifacts from ninth century Samara in different codex entries. So we sort of spread those around. Um, but that was one of the ones that got left on the cutting room floor. Um, as they were, you know, making the um, making the decision about what to keep and and what to cut, um, in favor of keeping some other entries, uh, we cut the um, we cut an entry that that would have given uh, players much more information about Samara and about the actual, um, you know, monuments and decoration from Samara. Mm. Okay. But it's it's still there. It's still there in a in a diffuse kind of way. So maybe that's better because players then have to go through all of the codex entries and uh, <laughs> and find them. <laughs> yeah, and you can see I I haven't uh, done the work yet to to find all these entries. But uh, just so the players are aware, uh, these codex entries they uh, come up on the map, uh, and here we're just outside of uh, the palace uh, in the harem and you can see one of these historical sites and so uh, it shows up um, almost as a uh, as a white ball of light it looks like a, a glitch almost and you approach it and then you uh, 
you hold down a button and, and it gives you the historical entry that you could then go into the codex. So uh, I, I do like what the developers did here with these uh, entries. You know, I, I you know, as a historian, I, I've hoped to to gather up all these, you know, just on my own, just for fun. Uh, mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, for players, uh, they do entice uh, maybe players who are not as interested in the history. They do entice them to collect all of these historical sites by offering up uh gear uh in-game gear as a reward uh and so uh, it does give you a a gameplay reason uh to to go and collect uh, all of these historical markers uh in addition to the wonderful wealth of historical knowledge uh that maybe would it would entice a historian like me but uh, maybe not not for all players uh, we can't can't assume that Hmm. Well, the developers did create one award. I don't know if um, if anyone has received it yet, so I won't say anything about it, but they okay. did create um, an award that I was pretty excited about when they showed it to me, and they they told me that I have bragging rights um, for this oh, award and okay. that, I, that I had inspired this award. So I I don't know. I haven't collected all of the entries myself yet, but I'm super excited to to get this reward. <laughs> okay, well, that that's something that's going to interest me as well. Um, yeah. So speaking of which, I mean, you just mentioned that you've been playing a bit of this game. Um, and I'm just wondering, uh, you know, what has your experience been like exploring this game? And do you have any kind of favorite bits, uh, maybe not necessarily of the story, uh, but any favorite parts of uh, the game world, the setting here in Baghdad? Mm. Yes, I mean, I, I am playing it now. Um, and I think, I mean, it won't surprise you to to know that finding those codex entries in the game world is um, is something that's really exciting and meaningful for me. Um, you know, just seeing because, you know, because as you know, we just don't have anything left from ninth century Baghdad, just the fact that they have visualized uh, the city and they've made it a visualization that includes, you know, visual references mm -hmm. from other times and places ac across the whole history of Islamic art and architecture. Um, it's it's like a beautiful introduction to the history of Islamic art and architecture in game form. And, mm -hmm. and that, to me, because, you know, an important part of my research was about how do you visualize um, fragmented or decontextualized or um, just vanished remains of medieval Islamic architecture and art and landscapes. How do you do that using game engines? To me, seeing how they have done it um, is a dream come true. And that's that's very exciting uh, for me. Um, but I guess aside from that, just seeing the game world and seeing how they took you know what I brought them in the in the seminar, and how they then put that through the creative director's um, creative vision for the game, and came up with something you know completely fantastical and imaginative, but wonderful and evocative. Um, besides all of that, I think the thing that's that is uh, particularly wonderful for me to see 
is everything around um, science because you know so for instance the fact that it's the banu musa that you go to mm -hmm. when you you know have to get your gear upgraded and and things like that the um you know science um and the connection between science and art um that is the the topic of my new book that's about to come out which mm. um you know the banu musa are, are in my book and so you know so many of the things that i was thinking about because i had just written about them in my book um i guess come out in this game because that's what i was talking to the developers about same thing with um you know all of the the material and information about women that's in the game you know there's a quest about um you know the concubines quest as well so yes women and concubines are something that i spent um a lot of time writing about before i started writing my book on science uh and and art so you know seeing how things that i have been writing about and, and things that i brought to the developers as an academic how they have um, kind of woven all of those things not only in the codex but throughout the game is just an incredible incredible experience yeah that's fantastic i uh, speaking of uh, art and science, I had just uh, finished up a quest at the House of Wisdom, um, which is something I was unfamiliar with. But uh, this kind of academy, uh, at least uh, in the game, is located, I think, in the kind of the northwest area of the city. I think it's, yeah, here it is uh, up here. Um, and so that was interesting seeing, you know, kind of... Uh, Muslim scholars at work on manuscripts uh, and then concerns, uh, big concerns, at least in the mission that I played uh, with the potential of fire, uh, you know, uh, out breaking out and destroying these manuscripts and uh, people uh, in game fictional uh, people, uh, you know, having a, an agenda uh, to restrict the flow of knowledge. Uh, so I, I, you know, it's a story and I really enjoyed uh, that, uh, that side quest. Uh, mm -hmm. for this game and yeah i'm looking forward to finding more of these historical entries i've, I've only you know comparatively i've found very few but uh there's it gives me more of a reason to keep playing in order to get the rest of them absolutely well i i hope you enjoy them as as much as i'm enjoying them i just finished that same uh that same quest myself and i i thought that was super interesting uh, so is there a, kind of a last question here? Um, is there any potential for you to use this in any of your classes? Uh, did you, are you going to uh, have, uh, you know, upcoming syllabi that uh, require students to to play parts of this game or maybe watch videos about this game? What what are you planning on doing with this game with your own instruction? Yeah, well, you know, this term, I am teaching my art in the age of the Caliphs course. So I actually built in um, assignments, you know, options uh, for students who did want to, um, you know, to engage with the game. Um, I went to the game launch event, the art exhibition um, and game launch event uh, in Bordeaux when you know when that happened last month, and I I gave students the option to 
um, write about the, the art uh, of Mirage exhibition if they were able to travel to Bordeaux to see it. I've given them the option to, um, to write up their own critiques of the depiction of Khalifal art and architecture in the game. You know, how does what they see in the game match up to the, the actual monuments and artifacts that they learn about in my class? Mm -hmm. um, and um, yeah, so I, I plan to integrate this into, uh, into all of my teaching because actually it, it fits into um, all my courses and, and could be really useful, I think, for giving students a way to think about you know, the utility of this medium to mm -hmm. understanding the past, uh, specifically mm -hmm. through, you know, game environment. Mm -hmm. And like you said, it it does such an amazing job of uh, giving students uh, at least a, a sense of context and of uh, lived environments. And, uh, you know, even if the cityscape is not a one-to-one -one recreation, it's still goes a really long way in kind of providing them with uh, uh, with something to to bounce their ideas off of, to bounce their imaginations off of, uh, you know, even better than I think many texts uh, could could possibly do. So it's it's an amazing resource. It's it's a it's an amazing line on your CV. So congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. As I said, it, it was a dream come true. Yes, and and uh, an amazing experience all around for sure. Well, on that note, that does it for this episode of History Respond. Glare, thank you so much for joining me today. My pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. And listeners, if you enjoyed this episode of History Respond and are interested in seeing more of our work, please visit historyrespond.com for a back catalog of episodes. Uh, and if you really enjoy our work, uh, please consider supporting us on Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash historyrespond. Uh, until next time, goodbye. Goodbye.